This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open. Thank you. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 141. I'm Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and today, Nick, today, we've done the deed, we have sacrificed, we have made ourselves martyred, we have watched... (laughs) Super showdown <laughs> for the listeners of this show so that they don't have to. So that you don't have to. So you don't have to go through what we went through. Oh, I'm never getting those hours back, Nick. No, I'm never getting no, them back. No. It's not the uh, first was, time WWE's got me, and it won't be the last. You know? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes, sometimes you get the WWE, and sometimes the WWE gets you. Oh. You know, this is actually, it's actually a good reason. Like, I, I, sometimes I want to see their house shows. Because I know they get kind of loose sometimes and some fun things happen at house shows. It's not entirely in kayfabe and all right. that good stuff. And You see matchups you don't always see. Like Apparently, Aleister Black and Buddy Murphy are working each other on house shows right now. And we can't see it because we don't get to watch house shows. Instead, we get to watch a $50 million house show from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia <laughs> without any of the women. And, and, and it's all the pyro. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So we, have, we got to run down Super Showdown. But... To make this palatable, <laughs> we're going to include a rundown of Dominion, New Japan's Dominion pay-per-view as well, which also happened this weekend and was pretty good. I Honestly, for a New Japan show, it was a little underwhelming, but uh, there was a lot of good stuff that happened. John Moxley had his second match. Uh, we had a match of the year contender between Will Ospreay and Dragon Lee. Uh, Naito and Ibushi tried to literally kill each other. And uh, Chris Jericho had a match against Kenny Omega. So a lot of stuff to talk about in Dominion. Uh, and a- as we said, we've got we to we gotta tell everybody what happened at Super Showdown just so that they know, but th- also so they don't have to watch it themselves. But, but Nick, before we do that, let's do some housekeeping. Yes, absolutely. Guys, uh, we okay. are live again on YouTube. Uh, we're getting Yay! all of the kinks worked out. we got a nice new layout here that we're testing out. We're going to get a little more interactive uh, with the, So this is a continually evolving iteration of this platform. Hope you guys like it a little bit better as we continue to grow it. Uh, I'm, but, uh, I'm literally using my Patreon money every month to increase my internet speed to make this all work better. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's we, directly we will, we will absolutely get there for sure. Uh, but the hub of our operation is over on Facebook, facebook.com 
Uh, you can search for Busted Wide Open. Join the discussion group. That's where all of the all of the magic happens. You can also head over to BWOPodcast.com. We've got that site now. It takes you directly to where all the links are to get to all of our social media, all of our uh, subscribe channels, all of our to listen to us or watch us on YouTube, Twitch, all of those things will be upgraded there at BWOPodcast.com so I don't have to rattle them all off anymore. We are everywhere, Come I on. promise you. You're so <laughs> B- good at it, though. At BWOPodcast on Twitter and Instagram, YouTube here at YouTube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. Add a little slash live on the end of it, and you can get straight to our live streams. Uh, and, of course, if you love us and want to support this show, head over to Patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers. Get access to merch, show notes, Bonus episodes, all kinds of good stuff over there at patreon.com slash BWO. Swaggy swag. Swaggy swaggy. BWO underwear, ladies and gentlemen. We're and just it, saying. it feels like we're almost doing this backwards. Normally on a pay-per-view weekend, we have a badass takeover on Saturday, and we're all let down <laughs> uh, on Sunday by the main roster event. But this time we had the main roster event on Friday night. Yeah. And the much, much superior New Japan Dominion event on Sunday night. But let's kick things off. Let's get the let's get it out of the way. And let's go talk about Super Showdown. Ah uh, yes, Super yeah. Showdown. Or yeah. as it's as it's already being called Super Shit Show. <coughs> super <laughs> Shit Showdown. Super Yeah. Um Look, this let's let's get this out of the way right now. Aside from nostalgia stuff, this was essentially a glorified house show. Again, they did not they did not they looked at some of the criticisms of from last time when people were complaining it was a house show and they went okay. <laughs> <laughs> and right. Uh, your your point? Uh, so they basically yeah, they doubled down on it. And they went right back to doing another house show with lots of lots more pyro and a couple of big name matches that, in theory, uh, you know, on paper you kind of go, "Ooh, oh!" But then you see it in practice. Then you see it in practice, and oh, oh, it hurts. It's right in the feels, Nick. Right in the right kicks you right in the nostalgia jabronis. Yes, you know what I'm did. saying? Yes, it did. Yeah, but uh, let's start at the top of the show, and we'll. We'll work our way through to that to, to that end. Oh man, that end. We're gonna spend some time on that. But let's 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 rip through the per- early part of this. Uh, the pre-show, the Usos versus the Revival. It it happened. That's literally all I can say about this match. It there were was, absolutely no stakes involved whatsoever. None. Uh, it, it, it's it was a decent, serviceable match between two teams that should be putting on, frankly, four to five star matches. Yeah. I, I, I you know it was it exciting. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, it, was fi- it, was, it was it was fine. It filled its role, which was to get the crowd hyped up with a couple of teams that can go out there and put on a show. And the good guys won. The Usos won. Yay! And now we're ready to start our show. It did exactly what it was supposed to do, and that was all you could say about it. It was it was there. I was I was um, watching the clock uh, during the pre-show. Uh, I'm glad we were able to get a watch party. And thank you to those of us that uh, those of you that joined us. But I was watching the clock going, uh, yeah, it's, it's like 11 minutes. It's, it's 10 till, guys. Is this match? They're only going to yep. give the Usos. That we exactly had to sit 10 through minutes. 50 minutes of your stupid video packages. David and- Otunga, by the way. You had to <laughs> sit through David Otunga and Beth Phoenix for 50 minutes. But and we got Byron Saxon's weird, weird facial hair. I'm not one to talk, <laughs> but my God, man. 
the nineties call. They want their little strip back with a little chin strip. Chin strap. What was yes. the, what the hell Byron? Come on. Oh Get man. To, I, if he's, if he's, if this is part of his gimmick, it's working. um here i want to say before we get into the show any further that like one thing that i was thinking about this entire time i was watching the show it was 100 to 110 degrees in the ring yep god damn and you know some people in in this company are known sweaters and i'm not talking about the fuzzy things that you wear around christmas that are ugly no we're talking about killing i'm talking about i'm talking about He's a he is a human walking sweater. He was not here, however. Prince He's Albert. still lost in limbo. Uh, Albert was a, was a was a walking sweater too. I'm talking about like Brock Lesnar, Shane McMahon kind of sweat. Yeah, uh, the kind where you leave a stain on the ring, like when you lie down on it. Uh, Braun Strowman also was someone who was just pouring pouring out the sweat. Um, I man, the fact that anyone in this anyone was able to work a match over 15 minutes was unbelievable. And I think the only people that did were Triple H and Randy Orton, and that was also because they were basically walking the entire time. Yeah. You know, they were moving in like slow motion. But Shane looked said, like he crawled out of a swimming pool by the time that match was over. Shane looks like he crawled out of a swimming pool when he comes out and cuts a promo, let alone when he does a a, a fifteen minute match in a hundred degree heat. When he so, gets out of, out of bed in the morning. <laughs> yeah, and he was in a full shirt. Like it's not like he goes out there topless like the other guys. Roman was in a you know in his typical vest. Like I can't, I can't even imagine. Anyway, I just want to say that like I my, my my sympathies go out to the guys who work in this show. Good lord. Um, but yeah, moving on to the main roster. So I picked the I picked the Usos there. Just cause, and you picked the revival because they're your boys. But I had a feeling it was going to be like this, where the yeah. good guys win to start the show, hypes the crowd. Dude, our once again, Seth Rollins pulled the curtain, and the Universal Title was the first match. I got the scared. very first match. I got scared. Um, I was well, I didn't. I actually went, oh, okay, they're not good because I picked that he was going to drop the title. Um, I thought they were. I, I've been so conditioned to think that. Either A, something's going to happen, or B, Brock is just going to be the champion. F you, Vince McMahon. Uh, that I thought he was going to drop. And as soon as I saw he was opening the curtain, I'm like, nope, not dropping it. They actually paced this whole show very similarly to WrestleMania, where you had this match here, the Kofi match at like the two-thirds part of the show. Um, and it's almost like you kind of you, you kind of might have seen uh, a revisiting of how Seth pulled the curtain with Brock at WrestleMania. And it was a quick, you know, something happened. But, you know, he had a full match with Baron Corbin, a full match. There was a finish. Um, there, the finish was interesting. It was uh, Baron Corbin grabs a chair. John Cone, referee John Cone, gets in his face. Or he, he gets back in John Cone's face for telling him he can't use the chair. And then John Cone explodes out of the corner, gets in Baron's face to the point where Baron is so flustered, he gets rolled up by Seth one, two, three. Seth wins, even though he was selling the ribs from the beatdown from Brock Lesnar the entire time. Do you like this finish, Nick? Was that a was that a fun, interesting finish, or how did you feel about that? I I liked I liked the rip wrapped up torso. I liked the ribs. I like selling the ribs. It continues sure. the the story that he really did get his ass whipped. And you know, if you saw that beatdown with a chair, Brock- if he came back, uh, if he came out like five days later without it, it would have been right ridiculous so if and if you frankly if you saw brock hitting him he was not pulling back he was he was beating the oh, shit seth, out of him with that chair so that holes in his back from right. that <laughs> so it was legit whether or not it broke or bruised ribs is probably another another conversation anyway whatever uh i wasn't mad at this 
Uh, you know, I I like that Brock came out immediately. Yeah. Afterwards, after the match, and you know, we got that. I, I wasn't really that mad at this. I did not expect this. You know me; I've always been a more traditional type. That my title matches go at the end of the show. They are the main event. It's why I'm watching it. It's why we stick around. I'm not there for the feature exhibitions. So I I am again just gonna climb up on that soapbox and go, why in the hell is this at the top of the show? Because Brock didn't want to wait three hours to have his match. I don't care. <laughs> he didn't even have a match. Let's be clear. He walked out to the ring. Paul Heyman stumbled as he came through the ropes. By the way, that was not an accident. It was, it was planned. Paul Heyman stumbled when he came through the ropes. Brock got distracted by Paul Heyman stumbling. Seth took advantage and beat the crap out of Brock Lesnar which was a nice turnabout for Seth Rollins. I think that will help enhance their story in the long term. But at the same time, how much of an idiot do Brock and Paul, how, how much idiots do they look like now? Like, uh, I'm so flustered I can't even say that right. They look like freaking morons. Brock had Seth beaten down on Monday night but refused to cash in because he said he was going to cash in on Friday. Then he comes in on Friday, Paul stumbles, and Brock gets beaten down. That's... Uh, Whatever I like the 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 Corbin finish with the roll up. All right, fine. It was it was fine. I liked I, I liked it more for John as a John Cone fan. I liked it more than anything else. Right. But I you know Baron Corbin shouldn't be on a big show with Seth Rollins. Uh, but he's going to be doing it again at Stomping Ground for crying out loud. Like on this show, I could see all right. It's just super showdown. They can have Corbin versus Seth. Nope, we're doing it again. We're doing it again at Stomping Ground. So it makes it it makes this completely irrelevant. And Yay. the Brock cash in. I mean, they'd only have so much equity with this where they, you know, you can only cry wolf so many times to the casuals. Oh no, Brock's going to cash in this time. We promise before a certain point, like I know a lot of people that are, are a little bit more the hardcore people. They, there's, they've tuned out. They tuned out after the, the first time it's going to, I mean, how long before everyone tunes out? Oh, Brock's going to cash in. They're like, oh, sure. He is. Sure. He is. How long before right. that happens? Right. Uh, pretty close. We're not. We're not yeah. far off. Where they, where they, where this all went wrong. <laughs> Remember how looking back at the women's build up to Mania, we kind of pinpointed it as, you know, when Charlotte took the belt off Oscar and got inserted in the whole thing. Uh, I can pinpoint this. Where it went wrong with Brock was when they started announcing when he was going to yep. cash in. Yep. And, no, this and, Monday. And the rest of the year, in. we're going to be putting up with this shit. Yeah. I I wouldn't be surprised if Brock carries that briefcase onto Fox uh, this fall. At this point, no, not if not if our. Unfortunately, I think that it's going to be one of those things where he keeps going after Seth, and then it's it's a big swerve. He cashes in on Kofi, and it's big heat because everyone loves Kofi. That you heard me right here. I said it. They're going to swerve you on this. They're going to make you think it's going to be Seth, and then all of a sudden, Kofi's going to get it. So that was my hunch as to why they did it to pull the curtain, was that it was going to be the and then when the the whole thing went down where he trips and didn't get to cash in, whatever. I thought it was, oh, they're doing this first We're gonna come so back and get later with he can come in and get a beaten down Kofi yep. Kingston. But here's the thing. We kept forgetting. This is not a regular show. This is a house show. Titles don't change hands at this show. I mean, it's, you know, it's really rare. Like, I remember AJ beating Jinder Mahal in England, uh, whatever it was, a year or two ago. And it was a huge deal because uh, Kevin Owens... What no, it was AJB Kevin Owens also at Madison right. Square Garden, not televised. And it was like, holy crap, that yeah, US never happens. Yep. Never happens. But 
you know, I, I, we kept hoping that they would actually make this show somewhat worthwhile. Mm. Didn't happen tonight. Speaking of which, the Intercontinental title, Demon Finn uh, versus Andrade Cien Almas. I don't think anybody had Andrade winning this. No. <laughs> it's the demon. The demon's but, not going to lose for the first time overseas, much like the title's not going to get dropped overseas. Correct. And yeah. he's not going to lose to Andrade. I'm sorry. But here's the, here's the problem. Here's my issue here is you're spending the equity of the demon when you don't make it logical when he brings it out. When the only logic to him bringing it out is to sell pay-per-views or to, or to have a big event match. So the Saudi Arabians paid us hundreds of millions of dollars. All right, you guys get the demon. But Brock Lesnar match? No, no demon for that one. Why? Why? What is the possible logic in kayfabe for not bringing it out against Brock freaking Lesnar, but you bring it out against Andrade? <laughs> Other than WWE got a paycheck, bring out your demon, Finn. It's, it's this kind of booking that makes people lose faith in WWE and makes people worry about the people that are employed there because they're actively undermining the characters that they're building, even the, especially the supernatural ones. You can't undermine the supernatural characters because it's a very thin line of belief there where we're willing to go across that threshold of believability. Yeah. If you pull that away, if you take that away from any, anyone who watches your show, it's going to pay decreasing dividends in the future. Every time you do this, it makes the demon less of a thing in the future. It makes it, it, makes it less of a draw. And you're basically spending the equity of it now and not looking at the future. And it's unfortunately, it seems to be something that's across all of WWE right now is short-term gains, but long-term you're, you're cutting off, cutting off your foot to spite your face, whatever the, <laughs> whatever it's, it is. It, it's like the princes were handed a menu and you're like, yeah, we'll take an undertaker, a Goldberg, uh, a demon. And can we get uh, Yokozuna? Can we get Yokozuna up in here? No? No, why can't we get... We want Yokozuna. Uh, he's dead, guys. Resurrect him and so? hoist him up on the Lex Luger and have him walk into Saudi Arabia. What do we care? I'm trying not to make dead journalist <laughs> jokes today, man, but it's really hard. Uh, we both had Demon Finn here, um, and you had you had Seth Rollins retaining, so... Yeah. Yeah, so as of right now, we're tied. Great. Moving on. Okay. <laughs> the, ex the excitement. Uh, Shane not, McMahon. And not one shit was given. <laughs> <laughs> no, give a shit. We're doing a show here. Come oh, on. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Shane yes. McMahon. No, hey, you know what? I'm trying to get as much enjoyment out of this as I can. Maybe it's schadenfreude. Maybe it's, maybe it's just I'm tr like we're wallowing. We're wallowing in the hate. Uh, moving on. Shane McMahon versus Roman Reigns. Um, I think the poll I put in the, the first... chat for this one was... Uh, who gives a shit? And it was just like one multiple choice answer. <laughs> yeah, they've kind of run this feud into the ground, haven't they? They've like, run Shane did, into the ground is what they've they done. Didn't, they didn't do themselves any favors here because Shane McMahon beat Roman Reigns. Now, granted, Drew McIntyre was ringside and there was tons of interference, but a lot of people were saying, you just had the guy... Like, uh, I forget if it was what, what culture or, or cultaholic or what. I was watching one of those programs and someone drew the line where you had Undertaker debut and go on a WrestleMania streak for 21 years. And then Brock Lesnar beats him and takes that equity. And then you have Brock Lesnar be a beast for two, three years. No one can beat him. You finally have Roman Reigns take, take that equity. And now Roman Reigns has taken all of this equity you've built up over 25 years. And Shane McMahon beats him. Yeah. 
<laughs> what? Uh, I mean, granted, again, I, I that it's not entirely fair because he did not beat him clean. He Roman ate a claymore uh, uh, and Shane pinned him. Yeah. You know, but it was still like. Here's my question, though, Nick. It's been speculated that this is the McMahon's pulling like a power play where McMahon's can't lose in Saudi Arabia. And it's like, see how good we are? Because remember last year, Shane, that's when he won the best in the world tournament at the last one in whatever it was, November. Right? Right. So it's, is this, do you think this is like actually like a, a, a McMahon egomaniac power play? Or did they legitimately think this was the way to tell the story? Which, like, what do you think? was their thought process here i think so i think it goes it gets a little bit meta in a sense like i it immediately i immediately went oh when there was that final shot of shane hoisted up onto uh Drew's Drew's shoulders. shoulders on the ramp yeah. he throws his hands up in the air and fireworks go off and i went oh <laughs> best in the world i get it because there's they're the shot. international yeah, blah, blah. yeah okay i get it fine I, am I going to have my my big dog? Am I going to have him lose to Shane to pull this off? I, I don't know. But it's it's you know it's funny they book Roman like an underdog. They always have. And it's, you just by all proxy the said that Shane McMahon could beat Brock Lesnar. Well, and the Undertaker at WrestleMania. Right. But no, but if, if he's got Drew McIntyre's help, no, which who Drew who couldn't beat R Roman Reigns in a one-on-one -on -one match at WrestleMania, right. by the way. But but no, here's the thing. Like I get what they're doing here. They're trying to give more grist for the mill. Make Roman seem like even more of an underdog. Like he just can't beat that dastardly Shane. Everyone just seems to fall to Shane. Even the Miz couldn't get one over on Shane because he's just you know he's Shane McMahon. He's always got something up his sleeve. And they're going to run this until Roman finally beats him at SummerSlam or whenever whenever it's going to be right. And then Shane will finally get his comeuppance. It's this is classic wrestling. Like I get the theory. The problem is, is people are burning out on this too sweet because of the nature of the modern show where you just got so much wrestling during the week. They got the wild card rule. So we're getting this every week on every show and it doesn't need that much time to build this. We don't need this much of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. fine, get your heat. Have him beat Roman. Have it, whatever. Fine. Have, have Shane help Drew beat Roman at, at uh, stomping grounds. Fine. But it, uh, people are going to burn out on this real quick because of the cycle, uh, the weekly cycle of your TV shows and the fact you feel like you have to push it every single show, which you don't. You don't have to push it every show. That's the, that's the bottom line with this. Yeah. Because Neither was Surrey and Dangerous said so. That's you damn right. <laughs> Swig a beer for the working man. <laughs> He's a blue collar BWO host. I am, damn it. Uh, so neither of us picked this. We both thought Roman was winning here. So Duh. shocker, yeah. shocker for us. I finally picked against Shane, and look what happened to me. Right. Look what happened to me. Um, next up, we had probably the second worst match of the night. Lars Sullivan. Versus the Lucha House Party. Lucha House Party apparently did not know that it wasn't Lucha House rules, and they got DQ'd because everyone attacked Lars Sullivan at a certain point. Um, did Lar Should they have just had Lars just beat them here? Or what was the point of having them... Like, Obviously, this is going to continue now. Like, this is garbage feud. Actually, You just asked Different the question. penultimate question of this entire show. Like, what was the point of... <laughs> All right. So let me... <laughs> let me change... Let me change my question. Okay. Uh, is Lars DOA? Like, Lars was your boy back in, oh. in NXT. Is 
two, two parts to this question. Is he DOA? And if so, if, if not, great, cool, tell me why. And if he is DOA, is it because of his own doing with the internet stuff and then getting anxiety about going to WrestleMania and all that? Or is it just his booking? Is it just the way they presented him since he's been since he showed up? Um, I'm torn here. Right, I want I want to I want to make sure that I answer this the right way. I think the man, if he hasn't already, needs to pay his penance with backstage with the crew and with the rest of the roster. That is, there is going to be some penance paid, whether he's done that already or not. We'll probably never know. Unless one of them, like Titus or a Big E, comes out and says, nope, he's cool. As far as how this match went down, this was ugly. This might, you could hear, there were 20,000 people, if I remember Michael Cole yelling it at me the right way. Um, 18,000? Let me pause you. I'm going to pause you right there. Okay. It held 20,000. But if you look during Finn's entrance, when they pulled back and showed the entire thing, it was less than half full. So, yeah. You could hear a pin dr- At least during the other matches up to this point, you could hear random, yay, or cheers or whatever. You could have heard a pin drop in that play, yeah. in that giant place when Lars was just, you know, beating down those guys on the ramp and outside yep. of, the, of the ring. It they was did not bad. Care. There was a few matches that they just didn't care about. In this, but and but you know we noticed that last time, last couple times too, is the Saudi crowd is, is it's strange when they come to their like what they cheer, they really cheer, the nostalgia stuff, like Triple H and Randy Orton got a this is awesome chant for doing jack squat, um, they love the nostalgia, so they love the the big matches, but this kind of stuff. Now, granted, I don't think this deserved any kind of reaction anyway, but, you know. They also weren't really into Kofi and Dolph, which kind of sucks. Well, DJ but, Butters in the chat just said they're live on Raw right now. Lars is, and he just squashed the Lucha House Party again. Well, there we go. Yep. Uh, oh nice to know that's continuing. Well, we both knew Lars was going to win that, but uh, we did not know. We had, we, we had to toss a coin as to who was going to win between Randy Orton and Triple H. And uh, we picked we picked differently on this one. I picked uh, Triple H. You picked Randy Orton. I believed in the gold, golden shovel, and you believed in the RKO. Yep. Um, it took us, what, 25 minutes to find out? This was a long-ass match. Yeah, it was. And it was not a fast-moving match. And my God, this was a slog for me. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't Batista match bad oh. at, at Mania. I, I actually enjoyed match, parts of this one. That match had some brutality. I enjoyed that match more than I enjoyed this one. Well, you just this, enjoyed seeing a man's nose ring get pulled out with a pair of pliers. Or I did. Locks. I'm, I'm a, a, cover your kid's ears. I'm a sick fuck. I like that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> hold on. Hold on let, me, let me pull up my Japanese hardcore wrestling DVD that's sitting next to you right here. No, the, honestly, like this was just like <laughs> it was killing me. And it got exciting at the end, but then the very end is Triple H having you know murdered Randy Orton on the announce tables, and they got a whole bunch of stuff outside. It was fun. 
But then God, he waits for five minutes outside and then rolls himself back and waits for five minutes inside and then starts moving like like Frankenstein towards Randy Orton, who gives him an RKO, quote unquote, out of nowhere, as if anyone who couldn't see that telegraph and coming from a mile away has never watched wrestling before in their life. Oh, my God, just fucking wrestle. Sorry. Sorry. Better. I'm sorry. No, I don't. This was boring. Yeah. This killed me. This killed me. I, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, Randy Orton, one, two, three on Triple H. Uh, do you think that was just because Randy's active on the roster and then once he retires, Triple H, you're going to have another match and Triple H will finally get the win? So the Golden Shovel like wins out in the end? I, I think there's a story you could write around Triple H having a promo about a put down, uh, you know, in some sense, Flair put down Batista. Now it's time to put you down. You know, right. something along it, it, that could be a good storyline. You know, if they, I mean, I mean, he already kind of put him down once, didn't he? <laughs> I don't care anymore. Yeah. I don't care. Like, Trips wants to wrestle. That's fine. Great, bro. Go out, have fun. I don't care. Go do NXT. You're good at that. Your matches are slow. They, it, it's ugh. anyway. Yeah. Uh, speaking of what I thought was going to be slow, Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley, they were not slow. That's a couple of big dudes, and they got some cardio in tonight. Both these boys worked hard. This was actually one of my favorite matches. Heat. This is one of my favorite matches of the whole show, by the way. Wow. Sh- surprise, surprise. Because I was shocked at the athleticism here. There's a couple of big boys doing things that big boys normally don't do, especially in 100-degree weather. My goodness. Bobby Lashley hoisting up Braun Strowman and giving him a power slam. Braun Strowman running around like he's a cruiserweight. It was, I was impressed by that. It wasn't exactly match of the year by a long shot. No. But after that Triple H and Randy Orton match, I was like, oh, something's happening. Hey. So, <laughs> I mean, here, okay. Did, did you feel any echoes of like Roman and Braun here where someone could actually toe to toe with Braun a little bit? A little bit. And it got, it got like physical. It got physical. And it's cool to see Braun get physical because that's like his that's his bread and butter, and they don't do it enough lately. And no, I, I want to see Braun doing more of this stuff. Lashley is just you know known for his strength spots. Uh, there yeah. was no lead up or storyline to this whatsoever, other than an arm wrestling match, which was entertaining. Yeah, it was, and it, you could you could even make the argument that it harkens back to Survivor Series time last fall when you had Corbin McIntyre and Lashley running around, and and Stro- uh, Strowman was around that. Remember they formed like the they heal faction. I don't even want to even talk about that stuff. But the uh, my point here is is that I was surprisingly entertained by this as well. And it, right. it was like this rejuvenation of oh yeah, I remember. I like Braun Strowman. <laughs> I remember Bobby Lashley actually can be pretty good. Remember TNA? He yeah. was good. You make him a big strong hoss dude who's cocky. He's entertaining. Yeah. The dude can work if you let him. So, yeah, this was actually a highlight of the show for me, was seeing these guys go out there and be physical. I hope this continues. I hope that we get that this escalates and we get some, some big, crazy strength stuff like we had with Roman and Braun. I think Braun needs it. Lord knows Lashley needs it. Let's get Definitely. some of that. That's why I, th- I picked ah. Lashley to win here. He Braun won the arm wrestling thing. I thought it would be a get back for, uh, for Lashley. He kind of nah. needs the win. Braun is going to be fine. Eh, this eh. was a spectacle match. This yep. was a spectacle match um, for the foreign crowd, and you've got to have your, you know, I mean, Braun won the greatest Royal Rumble. He's not going to come back and lose to Lashley 
in Saudi Arabia. I think he needs to come back and lose to Lashley this week or at stomping grounds or sometime soon. He needs to lose to Lashley, and this has to escalate. But, yeah, I didn't think he was losing here. I picked Braun, and I was that was the right choice. Yep. Uh, Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler pretty much was exactly what I thought it was going to be. It was about uh, uh, 50% of what these guys could do. Yeah. And, you know, was what was fine. It was like the Usos revival match. It was there. You could tell these guys were talented, but ultimately a bunch of sound and fury signifying nothing. So, I yeah, I, was really, I don't really have a lot to say other than that. You know, Xavier Woods got involved, um, created a little bit of chaos so that afterwards when Dolph lost, uh, he could go back and whine about it and saying, it still should have been me, and ask for a cage match at Stomping Ground. So we'll see this again. Another, so just, yeah, it was a meaningless match, a stepping stone to a bigger, better match yeah. in the future. And we both knew that was going to happen. We both knew Kofi was going to win. So we well, thought course. that Brock, we thought Brock might cash in. And nope. Nope. Uh, then we got the 50-man, quote-unquote 50-man battle royale, except... They couldn't even do that right. And it was 51 men. What did I in miss? In this battle royale. There's 51 men in this. What? Uh, yeah. I, I have a list. You want the list? Uh, I don't want to hear 51 <laughs> men's names read out loud. But uh, are you- Too late. Too late. You're gonna. Okay. You had uh, you had Akam, Akira Tozawa, Ali, Apollo Cruz, Bo Dallas, Brian Kendrick, Buddy Murphy, Cedric Alexander, Cesaro, Chad Gable, Kurt Hawkins, Curtis Axel, Dash Wilder, Drew Gulak, EC3, Elias, Eric Young, Eric, <laughs> the Viking, Heath Slater, Umberto Carrillo, Ivar, the Viking, Jay Uso, Jimmy Uso, Jinder Mahal, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, Mansoor. Matt Hardy, Mike Kanellis, The Miz, Mojo Rawley, Noe, Jose, Oni Lorcan, Otis, Rezar, Ricochet, Robert Roode, Rowan Rusev, Samir Singh, Samoa Joe, Scott Dawson, Shelton Benjamin, Shinsuke Nakamura, Sin Cara, Sunil Singh, Titus O'Neil, Tony Nese, Tucker, Xavier Woods, and Zack Ryder. Basically the entire tag team division plus every singles wrestler they have nothing for. Well, it's nice to see AOP again. It was nice to see AOP again. Way to bring them back on TV. Way to debut Buddy Murphy on TV, by the way, as well. Uh, Having only him get thrown guys, out like third. Like <laughs> trash. Uh, four guys got entrances. This is, this is, I hate this. It's one of my big pet peeves when you have a multi-person match and you have four people get entrances and everyone else is just kind of standing in there like a bunch of doofuses. And you have The Miz, Elias, Cesaro, and Titus O'Neil getting entrances. Titus has only got the entrance to, to make fun of the fact that he fell down during the Greatest Royal Rumble last time. Oh, remember that? And then uh-huh. ends up having a spot where he crawls under the ring himself. Well, I mean, I never saw him I, go under there. I just what? saw him come out of there in the middle of the of the Battle Royal. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. Uh, was there was a stuff. moment in this match where you had Heavy Machine, I believe it was Heavy Machinery, AOP, and I can't remember the third tag team all had a bit of a face-off in the middle of the ring. And I, I'm not going to lie. I got a little tingly. I was like, oh, was it the revival? Was it the third one? But it was, uh, it was mostly, it was mostly like, well, first of all, it was chaos when it first happened. Cause there's all these guys in the ring and it just looked, it looked terrible. You know, it just, it was too muddled. You couldn't tell what everyone was complaining about the pre-show match at all in or excuse me, a double or nothing. Everyone's complaining about that. This was way more of a cluster. This, this made that look like Da Vinci. All right. Um, and, and by the way, I, I also have to point this out. Nakamura 
ouch, dude, he gave a Kinshasa to Sin Cara. Sin Cara virtually no-sold it and tossed him out. Damn. EC3 was there, tossed out in 30 seconds like trash. A lot of people got tossed like trash. Uh, Pretty sad for a lot of these guys. But your final six uh, were Elias, Mansoor, Cesaro, Samoa Joe, Ali, who, by the way, don't Ali, by the way, who donated all of his proceeds from this trip to uh, to the to charity Water, which I actually haven't looked up what the heck that is. I just know he donated it to charity, and it's something to do with water. I think it's probably getting water to third world countries. I don't know. Sorry, didn't didn't look it up. And Ricochet was the other uh, sixth man at the end. Um, and you had uh, let's see, Ricochet and Ali, who both have histories with Samoa Joe. They got rid of Joe. Cesaro got rid of both those guys. Mansoor ended up taking out Cesaro, and then Elias took out Mansoor. Oh, wait! Mansoor does not go all the way out, kips back up into the ring and throws Elias out to the single biggest ovation of the night, hands down, bar none, no contest. That I've, The biggest, biggest pop I've seen in Saudi Arabia on any of their three shows, by the way. And it makes sense. This was the kid that, that was in the... Um, what would you call it? like the, he got drafted from Saudi Arabia this time last year and right. one year they later, had three he's or returning. four of them in the ring and they said they were all coming over to the uh, the performance center and they were going to yeah. be part of uh, NXT. Yeah, and so this year they brought Mansoor back and had him win the sorry the Battle Royale. It's not the greatest Royal Rumble anymore. It's the Battle Royale. Right. <laughs> um, so real quick, obviously everything else is unimportant because Mansoor won. It, this is to me. And probably to everybody, such obvious pandering to the audience. Not that that's never been WWE stock and trade, but such obvious pandering. But was was this the sort of pandering that you can overlook because of what a special moment it was to the kids in the audience? And it was so evident how much it meant to the youth in the audience watching this. I, I will like, admit that um, I, I had a bit of a moment here yeah. where I went, oh, now I get it. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things that we have to reconcile, and it's worth having kind of a full disclosure sort of moment. We're, we're pretty down on Saudi Arabia, their culture, their practices, uh, be they what they may, right? Um, but at the same time, that doesn't, that's an adult thing. That's a grown-up thing. The kids there are the same as kids here. They, yep. they want superheroes and people to look up to and inspirations and things like that. So when you bring in a local, uh, such as Mansoor, and you have him beat 50 other men, giants, big old burly American giants, take them out. <laughs> All right, right, calm down. <laughs> It's, it's, it's inspirational, right? It is. And, and again, like to be clear, our issue is with the, the government and the culture over there, uh, not with the people themselves. Like You can have a, a, a society that, who, whose rules are wrong and whose ways of doing things are wrong, but the people are good people. Right. And they deserved this moment. They deserved something like this to look at and look up to and say, hey, I could be that superhero too. Sure. Um, and so from that perspective, you know, as much as it was a very obviously a pandering and a business decision, like this is one where I go, I can see from I can see both sides of it. I can see and, and say, like, uh, this is going to benefit WWE, 
but at the same time, it is one of those. It's like when when Stephanie says when Stephanie McMahon says that philanthropy is the new advertising. Like, f you, yeah. <laughs> on the, on the one hand, but on the other hand, if that means that you spend money on good things and helping people, god damn it, whatever it takes to get you know corporate corporate money into helping people. Yeah. So that's uh, it's it's tough, but yeah, you know, I just I have to swallow a little bit of it and just be like, all right, fine, you made a nice moment for these kids. Congratulations. Yeah. You know what I mean? And honestly, like it was a big moment for Mansoor too. He was obviously very emotional. Gave a nice promo afterwards. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> just grip my teeth and be like, "All right, it was special. Fine, fine." Uh, what was interesting here is neither of us got the pickums right, but we had added a stipulation where we where we said who's going to win. Then we also said who's the NXT call up that's going to happen. And you switched yours before the event. You you had plenty of time. And you switched yours, and you said Mansoor. I so did, because we, we specifically said, what NXT superstar? And I had that brain fart of last yeah. year, where it was like, oh, they brought those four guys out. Yep. We were guessing what NXT guy was going to be called up, and I went, Saudi Arabia, NXT. Oh, what a, Mansoor's been on TV on NXT. Yep. I bet he's going to come out. Ta-da. Yep. And that's all it was. Yeah. Well, so you got you got plus one out of it, you lucky devil. Oh. Uh and then finally, it was time to, for the last match. And I, we actually have talked about this longer than I thought we were going to about Super Showdown, um, because this this was the one I really kind of wanted to. I don't know. Maybe now that I've, I'm to it, I just don't want to talk about it as much. Undertaker versus Goldberg. Um, let's preface this by kind of stating where we are with both of these guys. Undertaker's my boy. Undertaker's one of, in my opinion, the top wrestlers of all time. The biggest presences, uh, one of the most important wrestlers of all time. But to me personally, Goldberg, I had to come around to Goldberg late because when Goldberg was going on, I really didn't like the fact that he was essentially a gimmick and he only existed because of his push. He was the new Ultimate Warrior to me. And I never liked Ultimate Warrior because he was basically a dude who couldn't freaking wrestle who only was there because of his booking. I've come around on Goldberg late because He's actually become a very good promo. I've come around on his ability to be a presence. I've come around on who he is as a human being. Um, and so I've gotten respect for him long after he was the man. He was the you know as famous as he was. Uh, and so like we said this last week on our regular show, I actually got a little, like for, at one moment, I got a little bit of a thrill seeing Goldberg and Undertaker facing. I'm like, ooh, ooh, that's something. Um... But after watching this match, Nick, like, I never want to see either of these guys wrestle again. No. And, and frankly, I was, uh, I think, hindsight being twenty twenty, and I think we all agree and we all have the same thought, Taker should have retired after Brock broke his streak. That should or have been. worst case Andy scenario. sat the gloves and the hat in the ring yeah. and walked out, Roman did the Reigns. fist pump. Like that's that's one. Like Roman Reigns, give him one more. He looked like shit in that match too, but give him that one, and then he had the he had the fist raise. Like you said, the gloves and the hat in the ring. That was the moment. Like all right, he can't go anymore. Roman put him down. He put him down, but he keeps coming back, and he keeps looking worse and worse every time. I wish I could say that it was Goldberg's fault for this match. It was absolutely both of their faults. That being said, um, if you haven't heard. Goldberg apparently gave himself a concussion, headbutting a door, 
previous to this match, which you saw, we saw him headbutt the door, and then as he was walking to the ring doing his typical Goldberg entrance, you could see he was already kind of busted open on the forehead, but they'd stopped the bleeding. By the time he got to the ring, it was opened up again a little bit. And then in the middle of the match, like actually the opening part of this match wasn't that bad. I mean, the spears didn't look great. He, like, he, Undertaker tried to take him out, and he, he speared him a couple times, and Undertaker kicked out. And it was actually kind of exciting, even though the spears didn't look great, because Goldberg was already woozy. Apparently, because he missed his pyro. He, he was backstage getting checked, and they almost didn't let him go out because he was so obviously concussed. But he still, they let, they let him went out and do the match. And they started off all right, and then Goldberg missed the Undertaker and went right into the damn ring post. And if you remember back in the day, he did this in a match with Chronic back in WCW where he hit the ring post with his damn head. He didn't go into it with his shoulder. He went into it with his head. And then he was really busted open, and he was really concussed, and the rest of this match was just uncomfortable. Just bad. And it wasn't just Goldberg, because Undertaker went for a tombstone and nearly broke Goldberg's freaking neck. Yeah, almost folded it backwards. I, I, and that I, might have been... see it bend backwards. It's not it takes, fun to look at. It takes two to tango with a tombstone. The guy's got to hold on, and you got to hold on to him. So it may have been partially Goldberg's fault on that as well. He didn't tuck his head. But then he also tried to jackhammer Undertaker. He couldn't get him up. He almost broke Undertaker's neck. This was just fugly on so many levels. And Undertaker, after, after, the, after the finish of the match, Undertaker pins him, and he looks at him just so pissed. And there, there's rumors out there that Undertaker and Goldberg got into a yelling match backstage. No, they didn't. Goldberg's, uh, yeah, I know, it was ringside news. I, didn't, oh, I said rumors. I said rumors. I didn't say that it actually happened. <laughs> But I don't I would, know if they even qualify as rumors at this point. I, it's just, <laughs> you see one my, word in one tweet and you write a blog post about it. My point is it wouldn't surprise me if no one was happy after this match. Goldberg even tweeted out an apology to his fans. And frankly, they deserved it. And Undertaker should be apologizing to his fans as well. This was a debacle. It was an embarrassment. And neither of these guys should ever wrestle again. Do you agree with that? I, I agree with that. Uh, That's it. Be done. I, Go I don't and be, want enjoy being Hall of Famers. I am. Um, I will never get that thrill from seeing Undertaker stare somebody down ever again. This killed it for me. Like if if the Undertaker Kane versus Triple H and Shawn Michaels crap didn't do it for me, this did it for me. Dead and buried. Rest in peace. It's over. I. This was ugh. so bad. God. Very God. very bad. You talk about like Undertaker has said that he doesn't want to ruin his own legacy, brother. You're ruining your legacy. This is this is a stain on the end of your career. It's it's over. Stop. Yep. Like I I know he's going to have another match because he's like ah oh, I can't have that be the last match. Goldberg, done. You're done. Stop. You you never could wrestle in the first place. Stop. Undertaker, I know he's going to have one more. If he thinks he can redeem himself, it's probably going to happen. But I would just I'd be fine with him. Just go away. Just retire. Sorry, brother. I love you. I love your entrance. You're my boy, but stop, please. By the way, when did he become Druish? A long time ago, dude. He was a Druid back in 98, 99, remember? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, Come yeah. on, man. Catch up. Yeah, well. The entrances were cool. I'll give it that. <laughs> well, even Goldberg missed his pyro. We didn't get the sparklers well, with the smoke inhale. We didn't get the crazy punches and uppercuts. Because he all. was concussed. Stop headbutting so doors. Oh, you actually called Goldberg on this because you're a Goldberg dude, and I don't blame you. Like, it would have been cool to see him pick up a win here, but 
you know, I, I picked Undertaker because so I knew Vince was never going to let a WCW guy go over his top boy, mm. ever, mm, mm. ever. And with that, we end with a tie, sir, six and six. We couldn't even get a satisfactory ending to our pickums on this show, I'll point out. Um, let, let's, let's finish this up and get to Dominion, man. Did this show, did anything about the show, every, every preconceived notion we had about the show, did it come true? Or was there something that you went like, oh, well, I'm glad they did that. The Mansoor thing. Okay. All right. Fair. That's about it. Fair. <laughs> all right. Fair. Uh, just uh, because of the effect it had on the fans and the kids and, and the families yep. and all of that stuff on having the local boy win. You know, as, as soon as he was down and he was in like the top five, I was like, I, I, I see what they're doing. This is fantastic. Keep doing it. And it was, it was a good moment. But yep. I, I have two questions before we get out of here. One. There was a Natalia and Alexa Bliss match that WWE pitched to the Saudi Arabian government hours before this show, and they got turned down. But that didn't keep them from bragging about it online and saying, well, see, we tried. We're taking steps to progress. We're getting progressive. Huh? Do you think it's right for WWE to pat themselves on the back for a failed attempt at making this regime progressive? No. They're selling a product. They weren't interested in buying your product. It's not a. It, it has a fuck all to do with it. Yeah, and this and now they're trying to sell us on the inability to sell that product. Look at how good they, we uh, are, aren't we? They're such selling, good people. We're so yeah, progressive. See, we're trying, we tried, guys. We're so sorry. We're, we're trying to make these people whose blood money we're taking right now be better people. <sighs> oh, congratulations! Let me let me give you a high five for that. One more question. Was this equivalent to or exceeding WrestleMania, Nick? Uh, yes, if you think of it in the literal sense, because I guess the Saudi government paid to fly the entire rig, ramp, Tron, overhang, everything over to Jeddah. Because the it was WrestleMania the exact same kit as what we had at WrestleMania. So yeah. I guess you could make the argument that it was an equivalent pay-per-view to WrestleMania. Yeah, from a technical standpoint. <laughs> Good grief. All right. Oh, well, man. Nick, let's let's stop tormenting ourselves with Super Showdown. There you go, kids. That is our rundown of Super Showdown. And you know what the best part? We got eight more years of this, which is great. We get all of our, you know, like, Nick, we tend to be fairly happy-go-lucky guys. <laughs> oh, we, no, but seriously, though, we do tend to try to look for the bright side in things. It's very rare that we get to get this much vitriol out at once on our show. But we get to do it for eight more years, so... Yeah. Keep that in mind. But let's move on, Nick. Let's move on and talk about something that we both thought was underwhelming but yet still enjoyed. And let's talk about New Japan's Dominion 2019. Well, I got to say, I had really high hopes coming into Dominion. Uh, so much so that I didn't get any sleep ahead of time. Uh, I didn't nap or anything like that. I wanted to be up at least to get the live chat going and get everything rolling for you guys. And I'd be like, all right, I'll watch the first couple of matches for an hour, <laughs> and, and I'll go to bed, and I'll crash, and I'll watch the rest of it on Sunday. Uh, that did not happen. Nope. I think you missed one match. Yeah, I did. Correct? I just could yeah. not. I just you couldn't I, get I was literally Jericho? sitting over here at this computer just... Just like my head was just, I could not hold my, my neck would not hold my head upright anymore. Uh, Esther made an appearance about 10 to 6. He goes, What are you doing? It's 6 in the morning. Yeah. Uh, JBC, <laughs> like, JBC know, made it through. It's uh, amazing. <laughs> JBC made it through, I think, I think a match or two. And she's like, uh -uh, I can't, no, I've got to work. And uh, yeah. Um, she was like, I'm not making it to the matches I want to see in this. Uh, so anyway, yeah. I want to say 
you guys that made it to the live chat and stayed up all night with us. All props. All props. You guys are ballers. And uh, and honestly, I want to say I want to say thank you and f you to Sal, listener Sal, <laughs> you animal. You had me doing shots the entire show. By the time <laughs> That's I got, right. By the time I got to Jericho and Okada, I was seeing two Jerichos and two Okadas. Uh, but it was still it was a very fun show. Uh, from that point of view, it was a little underwhelming because I think we built it up so much, and we're so used to Jap to the New Japan shows being outstanding. This was just a good show. Yeah. It was fine, but. If you were looking for like a bunch of mind blowing matches, this was not it, unfortunately. But we did have, we did have a bunch of interesting things happen. For instance, it opened the show. I mean, because here's the thing: New Japan organizes the pay per views from like the smallest matches to the biggest matches. Not like they don't shuffle around like WWE to create a flow. The way it should. They be go. Done. We go. We go from like young lion matches to heavyweight title matches in that order. And so, of course, we started off with a young lion facing off against the newest acquisition of New Japan, John Moxley. Mm. So Shota Umino, uh, son of Red Shoes Uno, the, the referee, the top referee in Japan, New Japan, uh, versus John Moxley. Now, you and I both thought this was going to be a straight murder, but something, this is, Nick, did you see what I saw, which was that there is more nuance to the Moxley character than just someone who comes out and murders people and leaves. He's he's finding more nuance to it. Yeah, he is. Especially if you if you saw the press conference after the match. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I was just like, oh, I, I thought he was just helping the dude out all, up the ramp, like a, being a good sportsman. And then, no, apparently he's turning into his his manchild slave of some sort. <laughs> he's gonna have him drive his car and pick up his dry cleaning and do all kinds of. And I was like, oh, okay, this this could get interesting. So basically, in this match, Moxley let the kid get in some offense, and the kid got in some offense that genuinely like stumbled him a couple of times. But then he ultimately just beat the crap out of this kid. Uh, but at the end of the, you know, showed off the end of the match. But then, like you said, he dragged this kid to the back. This kid's nearly lifeless, like semi-unconscious corpse, and cuts a promo, like here, hold my belt to the kid. The kid like holds the belt and just falls over. Like it was, this was physical comedy of a kind that we haven't seen in a while. This was brilliant. And it showed that Moxley isn't about just about going out there and killing people. If you're in his way, he's gonna he's gonna beat the crap out of you, and he enjoys inflicting pain. But at the same time, he doesn't hate his opponents. And this was apparent. Like if you went back and looked, now looking back at the Juice match, which I thought it was weird how in the press conference after that match, Moxley was kind of like nonchalant and like, yeah, Juice is a good dude. Like, eh. I'm like, you just you just bit him. You just chewed on his forehead and hit him until he was bleeding. You bit into you, his orbital you, socket. Like, what, are you, what did you think he was going to think? Like, Juice came back disturbed. Like, I love the, the contrast between Juice Robinson pre this match and Juice Robinson post this match, which we'll talk about later in this show. Juice before this was like, he was flamboyant. He kind of like, he liked to party. He was kind of like this happy-go-lucky dude who could get serious. But after Mox, the Moxley match, he was like, he was existentially talking about life and death and like he, it messed up his mind yeah. and Moxie was like, yeah, yeah, you know, another day in the core. Like I like this way that he's building his character where he's just a guy who's out there to hurt people, but he doesn't hate you, but he's going to hurt you. Right. And, and, and this stuff that he did with Shota Amino was surprising to me and it was fun and it was interesting. And thank God, thank God that he's out there getting to do this and not saying, Pooper scooper in WWE anymore. Right. 
But well, Ian, I don't, don't want to interrupt Dominion, but I, I have a bit of a breaking news uh, oh. coming coming out of the chat right now. And that is that friend of the show and longtime listener, Derek, I call him McGator Guy. Yes. McGator Guy got married yesterday. What? Congratulations. Whoa. Congratulations. Congratulations, McGator Guy. Oh, man. D-Mac. All right. I hope she's a wrestling fan. <laughs> hey, it begs the question, what the hell are you doing watching us if you just wow. got married, man? Go have fun. Enjoy your honeymoon. Big congratulations. Uh, I, looking I, forward I, to hearing and see, be sure and share some of the pictures with, with us in the Facebook group if you don't mind. Uh, what? Of the honeymoon? Okay, yes. Of the I don't know. Nick, what? calm down. The, the, Jesus. Wherever they go. I, I'm, I'm, yes. no, I, the beaches and stuff. Not those kinds of pictures. Right. All right, moving on. Uh, Shingo Takagi versus Satoshi Kojima. Uh, bread, bread club. Bread club. Kojima hasn't won a singles match since 2017. We'll throw that out there. I don't like The whole point of this match was Shingo Takagi just lost his first match to Will Ospreay. First time he's lost since he's been in New, New Japan. 91 matches, didn't lose. Finally lost to Ospreay. This was his way of saying, no, 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 I'm still good. I'm a junior heavyweight, but I'm going to go heavyweight for this match uh, and try to beat uh, a... You know, a legend, a Japanese legend. Right. But the problem is, is yes, he's a legend. And yes, he took it to Shingo. And this was another tough win for Shingo, even though he did win. Um, Kojima's not exactly at, like... He's not in top form. No, he's not someone that you, you beat and you go, wow, he can't believe he beat Kojima. He's going to go, all right, cool. I, I look at this as, you know, Shingo getting one back after the Osprey loss at best of Super Juniors. And yep. kind of putting down a legend. That's, that's and also the they make a it. big deal about the differentiation between the junior heavyweights and the heavyweight. If a junior sure. takes out a heavyweight, it's a big deal. So from that standpoint, it's a big deal. But, but aren't they also pushing Shingo towards heavyweight at this point? Well, if you put Shingo next to Satoshi Kojima, you realize that Shingo isn't really smaller than him at all. Shingo's huge. Yeah, he's freaking jacked. He's jacked. He's he's a muscle beast. So it's not like you know he barely was believable in the junior heavyweights to begin with. So all this does is just juxtapose him with a heavyweight, and you go, why isn't he heavyweight? And what's funny was, not only did John Moxley announce for the G1, <laughs> oh, yes. Let him in. Also, let it happen. Shingo Takagi also said that he wants to be in the G1, even though he's not a heavyweight and juniors aren't technically allowed in the G1. So he said, basically, I beat a, I beat a heavyweight. Let me in the G1. Is Dominion Should, typically... So for those of us that aren't indoctrinated into New Japan as much as you are, Sir Ian Dangerous, is, is Dominion typically a staging ground to announce eligibility or entry into the G1? Because I felt like there was a lot of that this show that I hadn't this seen This was more before. than I've ever seen. This was yeah. more than I've ever seen. Okay, like I just wanted time. to make sure I wasn't crazy. Yeah, usually you kind of know who's going to be in the G1, but they've got a lot of new factors in New Japan. And everyone who kind of like put through their hat in, if you look at it, was a new factor. Not you know, We had Shingo, we had uh, Moxley, both of them. I mean, Moxley's two matches in, Shingo's less than a year in. And we had another surprise uh, entrant in the G1. I was saving it for later in the show, but let's do it right now. Kenta. Kenta, the former Hideo Itami from WWE. The Batwing. Came out. Mr. Batwing came out with, uh, and, and by the way, came out, to enormous applause. Um, oh, I popped. Oh, dude, I popped like a... Oh, are you kidding me? And it was hard because I was about 30 seconds ahead of all of you in the live chat for some reason, which makes no sense. But it, I was going, oh my God! And everybody was like, what? Yeah, you were going, oh my God. We were like, what? What? 
what? <laughs> oh man! It's, but yeah, it's, so he Shibata as well, right? Coming out, that was well, a pretty big deal. Well, okay, so yeah, you're you're basically saying what I was going to say, which is that Shibata, so Katsuyori Shibata, obviously one of the biggest Japanese wrestlers of the last ten years. Unfortunate early retirement. He came out to essentially announce that Kenta was back, and Kenta came out and was like. I want to be in the G1 too, which is hilarious because Kenta's like way smaller than Shingo. And he's not a G- I don't know. But I could see Kenta coming back and being in the G1 um, and having a bunch of great matches. Like, I'm so excited for that. It's interesting that he's going to, it looks like he's going to be kind of like this surrogate Shibata now that Shibata can't wrestle. That's a good way to look at it. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm very excited to see what he does. He, you know, it makes sense that he would go there. I'm glad he's going to have the chance to be a star. Somewhere because WWE just violently misused him and also got unfortunate with some injuries. So, ah, love it. Um, but Nick, let's 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 keep moving. Let's keep things moving here. Shingo Takagi, we knew was going to win that. We both called that. In fact, you know what? We were in agreement on this entire show, except for one match, which we're going to get to in a second. But we also agreed on this match: Jushin Thunder Liger and Yoshihashi versus Minoru Suzuki and Zack Saber Jr. We both said. Yoshihashi is eating this pin, and either Suzuki or Saber are going to murder him. Well, we were half right, Nick. We, we were so wrong. We were, well, we were half right. He did get murdered. He got beaten down this entire damn match by Suzuki and Saber. Now, Suzuki's had a kind of an ongoing program with, with Jushin Thunder Liger, which is great. Two legends. Jushin's on his way out. Work Suzuki. That's awesome. Um, but I was surprised at how much Saber was working Yoshihashi. Well, Saber is also the Rev Pro undisputed British heavyweight champion. And this shocked me because after taking a vicious beat down the entire match, Yoshihashi rallied and pinned Zack Sabre Jr. And now is looking like looking like he's going to challenge for that heavyweight championship. Is he in any way, you and I both feel the same way about Yoshihashi, is he in any way a legitimate contender for this title? Or is this just like, are they killing time right now? No. No, he's in no way a legitimate contender, in okay. my opinion. <laughs> what are you doing? How, how did, um, how, why did they, I, I don't even understand what, what, what happened here or what the stakes <laughs> were or what the outcome was. Like, what, what even is this? Like, uh, you've got two just, guys in Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. that are staples. Yes, it's Jushin Thunder Liger. He's got, like, one more match. Why, no, he he's, no he's, he's wrestling until Wrestle Kingdom next year. Oh, okay. I thought they said something on the commentary. Uh, Callis said something about, uh, or was it Kevin Kelly? Said something about him having one more match, like he was going to uh, Dantaku or something like. I can't. I don't know. Whatever. No, I was he's, got a, he's got a few. Yeah. Okay. No. This was the one thing that on this card that, like, I just went, "What?" There was two things on the card. This was one of them. This was one I just went, uh, "Oh, all right. I guess Yoshihashi is getting a shot at the Rev Pro title. I guess they've got no one else." That they can go for it at this point. All right, cool. Yeah, neither of us saw this coming. Um, we also Yoshihashi pins Zack Saber Jr. I just just let that sink in for a second. I'm gonna have a drink. Uh, we also <sighs> uh, this next match we didn't see coming. We didn't get uh, we didn't even get pickums on this next match. A six man tag team uh, match: Juice Robinson, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and uh, Ryusuke Taguchi versus Chase Owens, Jay White. And Taiji Ishimori, Taiji Ishimori, Bone Soldier, yeah. Bullet Club, basically versus uh, versus Tanahashi and company. Uh, what what do you think was the best part of this match? Was it was it Tanahashi recovering from the vicious destruction at the hands of Jay White 
of the best of super juniors final or was it juice robinson being just completely downtrodden and decidedly not uh flamboyant after getting just murdered by Moxley. I think that was the most interesting part of this match was the carry forward of the psychology of him being broken after losing to Mox yeah. like that. That was actually brilliant. And yeah. You could, you could feel beautiful. it. It was palpable. I mean, all the other stuff going around it, but I mean, that was the one thing I was so laser focused on. Uh, yeah. I mean, everybody loves Tanahashi and Taguchi, uh, Jay White and Taiji Ishimori. Uh, a lot of people are asking in the chat who Chase Owens is, where he comes from. Is he just a goon? He's a goon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the, I, it, this was a chance to get a lot of the guys here. that didn't have matches. Let's get them out there. We didn't. This wasn't officially announced on the card, I don't think, or we didn't do a pickems for it because because why? Like yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's it was a kind of a meaningless match. It was a, a way for Tanahashi to get his win back. Sure. Uh, after getting murdered by White and show that he's still Tanahashi and make everyone feel good. Yeah, that was pretty much it. I mean, yeah. Um, let's move on, Nick, because we're we're running behind here. Yeah, yeah. Tomohiro Ishii versus Taichi for the never open weight championship. Uh, this was my other big surprise of the night. Like, I've seen it before. I've seen Taichi get some offense on Ishii. You know, I, I've seen him be more of an offensive guy. I've never seen him take it to Ishii like this. Like, Ishii was on his heels this entire match. Taichi had his number this entire match. And I was sitting there going, since when did Taichi become an offensive monster? Since when did Ishii sell so much of Taichi's offense? What the heck was this? I don't know. I've heard people praising this. Be like, this was really exciting. I'm like, exciting is when Ishii goes out there and murders somebody and has a competitive match against Kenny Omega. This was Taichi, Taichi, who is droll at the best of times, going out there and dominating a match. That's not exciting to me. It's not. No. Nah. I was I was frustrated by this. He's he's and very he's just, a very flamboyant man. Well, I don't I don't have any problem with Taichi in theory. He has a place. He's you know he's a he's a shitty heel, uh, fine, and he's definitely got heat with me. I, can't, I he uh, rubs me the wrong way, but in a way that I appreciate. I'm like, all right, you're doing your job. But when that character gets this much offense on a guy who's supposed to be a stone pit bull, and granted, Ishii did man up and win in the end. But this was kind of like when Shinsuke Nakamura got called up to the main roster and Dolph Ziggler took it, took him to task for 20 minutes. I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? That's absolutely not how this match should be booked based on what we know about these two guys. That was how I felt about this. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I just, I, you know, it was a match. I enjoyed it for the match. It was <laughs> entertaining. I don't remember any particular, like, super huge spots that really, I just went, oh my God. Taichi like did hit a really good side suplex on Ishii that looked vicious. Yeah, there was. A, I mean, Taichi actually did wrestle in this, and he he was acceptable. But and I liked Ishii taking his stuff and getting his face and like you know the the iron claw and the cane and be like you don't need this tossing out of the ring. Right. I like that. But here's the other thing: Ishii wins the match, wins the never open weight title back. It's his fourth run. I believe fifth. Fifth. This is his fifth. He was four before. Now he's the, this is his fifth run with the never belt, the most of anyone in history. Does that matter, or is he being pigeonholed, and should Ishii be going for bigger titles uh, in this company? I think Ishii should be going for bigger titles in this company. Me too. Um, I'm just, I, I feel like 
I'm trying to think of a reference of what I would compare him to on the WWE side, and I just I can't think of an obvious one. But it, it feels like an underutilization of his talent. There's not much of that that happens in New Japan for guys that are that constantly deliver like Ishii does. Uh, but I feel yeah, like he's being really, underutilized. Yes, this is his fifth time with the Never Open Weight Belt, right? Five? Am I right in there? Yeah. So I yeah five times. You, you got to wait measure that a little bit. But I mean, is that? Is that the best? Is he ever going to get that title shot? He had that run to Omega last year. Imagine if the steroid scandal had never happened in WWE and Vince had never had to go to the new generation of guys. Ishii would be Bret Hart. Wow. He'd be that technician, littler guy uh, who everyone appreciated, didn't have like reams of charisma, but could still get the entire crowd on its feet. Um, But, you know, the problem is, is that Hogan and Macho Man and Ric Flair and Sid and everyone else, they're still in the they're still on the card. Um and he's never gonna get his chance while Okada and Tanahashi and Jay White and Naito and Abushi and all those guys are filling out the top of the card. He's just he's never gonna get the belt. He might get like a, a title shot here and there, but he's not gonna win it. And it sucks because he's one of those guys that I would love to see get pushed higher. But it's that's the classic wrestling thing. Not everyone is going to have the belt. Not everyone's going. I would. My best case scenario, he's never had the IC belt. I'd love to give him a shot at the IC belt at some point. I think that's about as high as he's going to rise realistically. But um, yeah, I can't see him ever getting the heavyweight belt. And I'd love to see sad, him go up against uh, uh, Naito for that Intercontinental Championship next. That well, you just now when you said that a second ago, I just went, "Oh yeah, that'd yeah. be good." He and Naito have had some great matches in the past, yeah. and after the match with Naito and Ibushi this evening, I'd love to see him go against Naito because Naito apparently has a thing for destroying necks, and you can't destroy what doesn't exist. And Ibushi doesn't even have a neck, so try destroying that, <laughs> Naito. So the next match was the one match we disagreed on, and that was just because it was a coin flip match. We we both had no idea who was going to win this. Gorillas of Destruction. Gorillas of Destruction. Why do I keep doing that? Gorillas of Destiny versus Los Ingobernables de Japón. Evil and Sonata for the heavyweight tag belts. Uh, this was more exciting than I thought it was going to be. I was looking forward to just another like by-the-numbers match from these guys. And this was actually pretty exciting. Yeah. No, this was, uh, so, this was really good. A lot of interference. I mean, I saw someone online call it like an Attitude Era style match, and it was. <laughs> You had you had Giotto outside with his kendo stick getting involved. You had Bushi running out and giving people the mist. Like it was definitely, you know, an overbooked match, but it was fun. I always loved the the shit talking from Gorillas of Destiny. Um, I love the seriousness and the intensity of Sonata and Evil. So it was a lot of fun. Their costumes but, uh, are fantastic too, by the way. Oh, everyone everyone came out in awesome costumes. Oh. Everyone came out in great entrance gear. It was awesome. Like Evil um, coming out in that full-blown death outfit with the scythe and everything. That. Just he good always, lord. Yeah, he's always good. Uh, this was, I, wasn't, I was a bigger fan of his get-up at Wrestle Kingdom, even though he couldn't quite see in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at least this one, he didn't fuss with it quite so much. It kind of takes away from the whole aura when he's like, oh, I can't see. Uh, but uh, what I liked about this was Grills of Destiny retained, and I picked that, so I liked that. Of course. But I also like that because I want them to go into Ring of Honor where they're facing the Briscoes for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships, which they also have. They're, they're double-strapped right now. They're, they're Gorillas two belts. Um, <laughs> they, they have the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships and the IWGP Heavyweight Championships Tag Team belts. 
Um, so they're going to go in double strapped to Ring of Honor, which I think gives them even more legitimacy going up against the Briscoes. So I think that's the right decision. Nice. So I like that. Yep. Are you ready to talk about the match of the weekend, sir? Yes. I've been, I've been waiting right. with bated breath to talk about well, this. Well, here one. we go. If you, if you heard our, uh, our intro, our bumper for the show this week, you probably know who won this one. But Will Ospreay versus Dragon Lee for the Junior Heavyweight Championship uh, of New Japan. Uh, an honor that Osprey got the challenge for after winning the best of the Super Juniors by defeating the undefeated Shingo Takagi. Mm. Another, did he, I don't even know how to start with this. Osprey, Osprey, dude. Like, Dragon Lee is obviously next level. He's incredible. He's only 24 years old. And he's amazing. Is Osprey one of the best wrestlers working in the world today? Like, um, can we officially yes. say that now? Absolutely. Can we officially say that? After, after the run he's had. Absolutely, we can say that. Like, Good, sweet lord. Like we went to, we saw him last year in PWG uh, right before I moved, and uh, and then we he, that was when he was the junior heavyweight champion, when we got that bumper that we played at the top of the show here, and then we've seen him have this year of nonstop travel and work all over the place, and we heard him come out uh, at the end of the Best of Super Juniors final and say, "I'm moving to Japan." I'm committing to New Japan, all of yeah. those things. I think that's a big deal that's worth talking about. And Huge. of course, uh, this match just really just stamped his uh, just holy shit. But I, I want to point out, he's been having incredible matches for three years now. And it's sure. not like he never didn't have good matches. He would have great matches. He's altered his style. It's not quite so suicidal as it was before. He's definitely getting safer. He's his, he's using his moves psychologically. He's not taking as many risks. Um, he's working as his storytelling has gone through the roof in the last three years. Like I don't know what gear he shifted into. I don't know what mental state he did, but he it's like he it's like things clicked with him, and he went from being an excellent and and very like watchable wrestler to being one of the best on the planet. Hands down, bar none, inarguably. And this match, I think, absolutely proved that. Um, and, and, you know, kudos to Dragon Lee for being able to keep up with him, frankly. And it's no surprise. They both have a very uh, a style that is, it really works well together. I mean, Dragon Lee um, committed suicide literally with a tope suicida. Comes running out through at like a rocket. Yeah, while Will was sitting on the, between on the, the ropes desk. While Will Ospreay's sitting out on the announce table, it looked like. And just like... Yeah. And it's a beautiful catch by Osprey. Uh, just, just watch it again well, a couple of times. But, but I mean, holy! I had never seen a guy come out that, that fast. Yeah, I mean, well, if if you've ever seen, um, um, not El Fantasmo, but, uh, um, ah, oh, I'm from from. Uh, he's now working. He was working Impact. Actually, I don't. Even, I think he's a free agent now. Um. But King Cuerno in uh, in Lucha Underground, and for some reason, El Hijo de, de Fantasma. Sorry, that's who that's who it was. Um, his his tope, his his suicide dive is like that, where it's just he's an he's an arrow coming out of this thing. But the fact that he hit Osprey on the desk and they kept going over like that was un then and, and again, Dragon Lee kept up his end of the bargain this entire match. Like he was he was unbelievable. Yeah, and. But from that Frankly, point like, forward, I, it was kind of all Osprey. And honestly, this is something that's going to be um, a point when we talk about the next match. Is these guys ended up working this match for all the crazy crap they did 
was pretty safe. It was a pretty safely worked match, and and they didn't take risks that you like. They took some risks, but it wasn't ones that you were like, "Oh God, what are you doing?" Right. And and this is coming from you know a guy who last year was involved in in injuring Hiromu uh, Takahashi with a dragon suplex at the show in San Francisco. So. You know, I like seeing Dragon Lee being able to work a match where he's not working dangerously, but still, you know, able to showcase how athletic he is, and they're telling a story. It's, so. it's, it's just amazing to me to see Will Ospreay jump around all over the place. I mean, can you imagine Will Ospreay and Phoenix having a match? Uh, I want to say they have. I, did, I would to look love that to go up. find that. Just I'll, I'll if, see if I can find it. If, holy if it exists, smokes. I'm pretty sure it exists. They they feel sure similar in their styles, just well, jumping Will, all over Will the is, ropes and everything. Well, yeah, Will's based in a lucha style. He started off with lucha stuff, so it's it's not too surprising that he meshes well with lucha guys. But the question now is, he's got the title back. Yeah, there's a lot of guys hungry for that. There's a lot of junior guys hungry for that title. Ishimori. Obviously, Dragon Lee. They had a nice exchange at the end, where Dragon Lee put the title on Osprey. That was up. Oh, mm, I know you. I know you love you love your sportsmanship. Um, but uh, there's a lot of guys coming for Osprey. So the and isn't is there some scuttlebutt going around that he's trying to bulk up and get into heavyweight to be able to do things yeah. like G1 and go for the big titles? They say he's still a few kilos short, but uh, you know he has been bulking up. He's he's gone in the weight room. You can tell he's like he's demonstrably bigger. Um, and Will Ospreay, with the way that he's altering his style in the heavyweights, I, I think would be outstanding. Outstanding. I can't wait. I, I, hope a, I hope this is kind of his like last, like what's happening here is he moved to Japan, he's committing, he's going to put on some more weight, and but he's having a last run at the top of the junior division as kind of like a, a farewell tour, and then come Wrestle Kingdom, he starts going to uh, heavyweight, somewhere around there. That's kind of what I'm hoping. So Brad Shepard in the chat said he thinks Osprey and Ricochet win against Phoenix and Pentagon Jr. in some house show somewhere. I thought I saw that clip on YouTube. Oh, God. Oh, was it? That, I'm, I, I can only get so erect. You know, well, I just, I, <laughs> just thinking about it, what that match could be. I'm trying to think if it was Defiant um, back when uh, or, or when what culture had their own uh, wrestling company. I want to say it was in that. I know Ricochet went against Pentagon Jr. in that. I'm trying to think. Ah, I don't know. I, I, not for now. We've got to get through the show. Yep. We'll figure it out. We both picked Osprey. We knew Du Bois was getting this. Good job, Osprey. Bring it home. Yep. Uh, and good job to both these guys. Match of the weekend for sure. Possibly match of the year. Although, personally, I think the, Sh- the Shingo Osprey match was better. I agree. Uh, now but, we but come give it to, to the guy match. for having, putting on two match of the year contenders in a week. Back to back. Good, good <laughs> God. Good God. Uh, next, Tetsuya Naito versus Kota Ibushi. I think this was your match that you were most excited for. Am I correct? I, it was. Like, this is yeah. the one. This is the reason I stayed up. I was like, oh, my God, 30 more minutes. I can make it. Yeah. I can make it. <laughs> well, did you did you have any idea? Because they, they went pretty hard against each other the last couple of times, both of which Ibushi won. Did you have any idea that they were going to go this hard this time? No, I think they went harder, but I will admit that I enjoyed the matches from the New Japan Cup a little bit more. This, yeah, this match made me uncomfortable. Like I, yeah. you know, it's funny. I actually, right before we started the show today, I saw a Brian Alvarez quote from uh, Wrestling on uh, Observer, who said that he he can't praise this kind of match because it's bad for the industry. 
Yeah, that's especially a, that's off a, the back of in the, within the last year, Hiromu's injury. Uh, yes. You know, things Shibata. like that. It's, yeah. I, yeah, Shabbat. I, I can get behind that. And I, you know, as, as banger of a matches as they were at the New Japan Cup, they felt a little bit more slick or they felt a little bit more yeah. um, well put together. This felt like it was a little bit thrown together. It felt well, a little felt, bit riskier. It felt very risky and it felt like the story they were trying to tell was Naito was going to do anything that he could to beat Ibushi because yeah. he just because Ibushi you know, he hasn't been able to beat Ibushi yet so he was going to get as vicious as possible and go that extra level of viciousness to beat him. The problem was is one of the big spots in the match was a dragon suplex onto was it a dragon or was it just a straight up suplex? I think it was a straight up suplex onto the ring apron from the outside. Yeah. Um, and it, I, I don't, there's no way they could have wanted it to be this way because it came down. It was, first of all, the snap on it was insane. Yeah. But then the speed at which Ibushi's head and neck came down on that ring apron, I, it was, at this point, four in the morning. And I jumped up screaming. I probably woke up my neighbors. My dogs went flying. Like, I just, I jumped up going, oh, God! Oh, God, he's killed him! I thought Ibushi was dead. Not like this. Not like not like it's this. it's the Frankenstein'ers that get me, uh, poison Ranas, whatever you want to call them. That's yeah. that's what really like makes me just oh, I just I curl up in a little fetal position and go no. Well, like if you Bad. remember if, if you remember Ibushi and and uh, Ishi from the last G one, like I- Ibushi is not afraid to get stiff. That boy does not mind taking some hits. Um, that being said, Nick, like let's call a spade a spade. Ibushi hates his neck. He hates his neck. He absolutely, like, his neck is anathema to him. Like, I honestly, I don't know what his neck ever did to him, but he hates his neck. I mean, if, 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 if his neck was milk, he'd be lactose intolerant. All right? Like, Ibushi hates his, if, if his neck okay. was Vince Russo, if his neck was Vince Russo, he'd be Jim Cornette. All right? That's the level Ooh. we're at here. If his, if his neck was a bear, He'd move to Green Bay, Wisconsin. That's how bad this is. <laughs> All right. Like I'm actually worried about a bush in his neck because if 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 his neck was Keith David, he'd be rowdy Roddy Piper and try to put sunglasses on it. All right. Are you gonna run out of these at some point? Um I'm still <laughs> trying to think of them. Okay. If if Ibushi's neck was on fire, he'd piss on it. But only after drinking gasoline. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If it was if his neck <laughs> If his neck was EC3, he'd call it up to the main roster. <laughs> Zing. The only reason, the only reason Ibushi signed the long-term contract with New Japan is because his neck wanted to go to AEW. <laughs> oh, you heard it here first. <laughs> All right, right we've him. lost him, folks. I'm he's, done. he's completely gone. Mental. I'm done. I'm done. All right, fine. Look, Ibushi the bottom line neck. is, it's no, it's ne- Ibushi hates his neck. All right. It's not the first time that Ibushi has tried to kill himself. Um, so that didn't surprise me. But, you know, he took a hard headbutt to the eye. Like, have you seen his eye lately? It's, it's almost swollen shut. Like, Naito headbutted the crap out of him. They were going stiff. And he's, according to Meltzer, he's injured. We don't know how he's injured because New Japan doesn't release that stuff. That's why we still don't know what's up with Hiromu. Ibushi's injured again. He got concussed in the match with Will Ospreay at Wrestle Kingdom because they went so hard. Here he's again getting concussed. We don't even know what he is. We probably concussed. If he's not concussed after that uh, suplex to the outside, then I'm a rabbit. Like that's that was unreal. Yeah. And you know, it, obviously the story worked. 
Naito ended up Dustino and one, two, three. Naito's the new IC champ. And it was it was a very entertaining match, but it was I have to agree to some extent with Alvarez. Like, y'all didn't need to go this hard yeah. to give us this match. They gave us uh, great matches early this year that you loved more. And frankly, I did, the reason I picked Ibushi here really was because Naito's just off the back of a couple of years back and forth as Intercontinental Champion. I, I, I thought they would give Ibushi some love here. He's had it for a while. Yeah. But, I mean, like, why he should have carried that into the G1. I just I don't as I see. Said, he just he just he just signed a long-term contract. Like, and what's he beat the, him twice uh, just recently So I, uh, during yeah, the uh, New Japan Cup. Game. So I, why drop it here? It just yeah, didn't make I'm not any sure. sense. I don't know the long game now, but Ibushi's now 2-1 and one in their rivalry. So and Naito hates the Intercontinental Championship again. Yay. You know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure the long game here. I'm not sure what they're trying to do. But yeah. um, I am sure what they're trying to do at the top of the card, Kazuchika Okada versus Chris Jericho for the heavyweight championship. You know, speaking of, we were talking earlier about Taichi getting a lot of offense on Ishii. Good God. Chris Jericho basically murdered. I don't know if you've gone back and watched this yet, Nick. I have, he basically yes. murdered. Okay, so he basically murdered Okada this entire match. Okada snuck out a pinfall. And then basically Chris Jericho beat the crap out of him after the match. To the point where where Tanahashi had to jump up from doing commentary and stop it, and then Jericho flipped everybody off and said "Happy Championship, bitch," and and left to booze, and then Tanahashi had to like basically support Okada as they stumbled out, and then the whole crowd just booed the whole show and left pissed off. Like, w- wow, I, what? Uh... You know, it feels like they're they they're not ready to give up on Okada yet, but they're working really hard to get Jericho. They are uh, pushing. That's that, that was, I thought, the most way you could have pushed Jericho without giving him the title. Exactly. Exactly. Like, just, you just... And that's how you close the show. Like, that was the yeah. biggest surprise to me. Like, not not with a big upset, not with a big, you know, it's, it's Tanahashi trying to stop Jericho from beating down Okada. And even the commentators were like, well, uh... I guess, I guess that's it. We'll we'll hang around to see if we can find out some uh, what status of Okada, but uh, well, yeah, we don't really know what's going on. We're waiting for the Japanese commentators. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Kelly everybody. doesn't even know what to do. We didn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was it's interesting because like on the one hand, I get it. We're setting up future shows, future programs with Tanahashi and Okada for Jericho. We're keeping him relevant. Um, they obviously believe in him as a big draw. He was very confident and happy about it afterwards, saying, like, that's how you get heat. You piss off a crowd and beat up the champion. And I'm, I'm, on some level, he's right. Yeah. But, you know, they also basically did – they did it in Osaka, which is eh, not apples for apples, but it's the Japanese version of Philadelphia. Like, that's a hot crowd. And pissing them off, you're pissing off a lot of basically Japanese smarks. Right. Thank, <laughs> but, thank you, Butters, for the reminder. Uh, he, he said, Kevin Kelly, I believe it was, that made the call. Red Shoes is a pussy for crumbling in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was quality. Well, I like that. that. But dude, the last time that, that, well, the first time that Red Shoes worked a Chris Jericho match, Chris Jericho nearly killed his son right. and then threatened Red Shoes. Like, I would, I'd be a little nervous about Chris Jericho, too. <laughs> Um, also, Chris Jericho just beat down the champ. All right, he's a bad man. Yeah. He's a bad man with bad makeup. Okay, but uh, yeah, oh. no. I mean, my question here is like, I thought that Jericho's uh, uh, equity in Japan was starting to to diminish, but maybe I'm wrong. New Japan's still 100 percent behind him if this is how they're going to book him. 
you know, well, some of them AEW boys need something to do for the next three to six months while they get their TV production up and running. I guess, but you know, I mean, and it's, it's doing big in the States. Uh, You know, the, the Chris Jericho stuff is big on YouTube. The, the John Moxley show to Umino, uh, post-match interview is the biggest video on new Japan's YouTube. And it was that way after 10 hours. Wow. They, I mean, so wow. it's, they're absolutely getting hits on this stuff. So it's not Naito winning the Intercontinental Championship back. It's Moxley and no. Jericho. No, exactly. Interesting. Their, Let their, that sink in for in. a minute. Holy that's, smokes. Well, that's their in in the U.S. Yeah. So, And I, I don't blame them for going for it. Yeah. Well, Nick, we've had a heck of a show. This is a lot longer than I thought it was going to go, but I guess we found more things to talk about. Uh, what a shock. We yeah, found more things that, to talk right? about. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I guess just like a, a kind of an outro question. Um did this show actually underperform? Like, was this underwhelming? Or are we just so used to good New Japan shows that we're not used to it when they do one of their big shows is like a transitional show, which is what this felt like. It felt like a transitional show. Um, yeah. I'm, in, I'm interested in the, uh, the outcomes because I, I like the fact that the thing I like about New Japan is it's not all entertainment and, you know, flash, flashy kind of stuff other than Tai Chi. But um, <laughs> but I, I like that outcomes have consequences, and those consequences are usually followed through. Well, them, and right? also, I, I truly feel like they have a long-term plan. Like so if I feel like happens, Jericho like- is going to have some consequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm interested to see what that ends up being. Uh, I'm curious what Tanahashi getting in the ring to save Okada means and how yep. they're going to play that out. Do those two finally, you know, after their... Uh, after Okada getting the title back and Jay White and all of the betrayal that's happened over the last six to eight months or so uh, between like chaos and Bullet Club, so I'm I'm curious where all like all of this is like one giant psychologically potential story, and I'm just I'm I want to see what they're going to do with it as we head into the G1 in a few months. I, where does this go? What have we got up next uh, shows wise? Is it we going to Wrestling Dontaku next? Um, Kazuna Road and then G1. Okay. So, you know, we'll probably have a little something-something setting up the G1 at Kazuna. Yeah. Uh, and More then people we're right announcing into the, and whatnot. Right into the G1. And then it's the Destruction Tour after that. So, yeah, yeah there's a lot of stuff that we could be seeing um, in terms of, what, I mean, AEW is supposed to start in, they said, fall. So that could be as early as September, as late as November. Um, and that's going to be after a lot of the summer stuff goes on in New Japan. Moxley will have had his program in the G1 by that point. Anything else he wants to get off his chest in Destruction, I would imagine. Um, and we'll see what happens with Jericho if he gets uh, an Okada rematch and a Tanahasi match in by then, or if we're going to run all the way to Wrestle Kingdom with these guys. Yeah, so we'll could see. be interesting. Um, also, the possibility of having Kenta, Moxley, and Shingo all in the G1 is a big deal. That's all very exciting. I'm, I'm definitely, you know, even though it was a, you could argue an underwhelming show, I'm still more excited coming out of Dominion than anything to do with Super Showdown. Because that didn't really lead to anything. <laughs> Rematches of those matches at Stomping Ground. One Yay. of them in a cage. And apparently on so, Raw tonight even. So great. So we tied a Super Showdown. I got you by one. We agreed on everything on Dominion except for that tag match. I picked up that one. So I pick up the win on that. So I win the weekend. By one uh, by one point, a win's a win, my friend. Right, that's true. Um, and you did just pick up that takeover. Wins and losses win matter on this show. <laughs> wins and losses matter on this show. There are consequences, and the, the Nia Jax shrine behind you can speak to that. So Stop looking at me. 
Uh, well, je- ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, that is your recap of Super Showdown and Dominion. A little longer than we had anticipated, but honestly, there were some fun things to talk about. Hope you enjoyed it. Come back and listen to our regularly scheduled live show this Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific and 8 p.m. Eastern yes. Standard Time. Yes. And, guys, be sure you come over and join us in the Facebook discussion group. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. And if you like this show and want to support what we do, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers and make sure you're in on some extra things like bonus uh, episodes, access to show notes, all kinds of good stuff, sweet swag, all kinds of stuff like that. Sorry, but- Roman's barking over here. <laughs> Shut up, Roman. The big, the big dog. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.